The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Second down and six. Smith. Intercepted once again. This time it is Logan Ryan. And that will put an exclamation point. And that was it. Uh, They had a chance late. And Alex Smith threw his third interception, his second in the final two drives. That one ended any chance of Washington pulling off what would have been a miraculous comeback win over the Giants. It's a Cooley and Kevin Monday. We're going to take you through the entire game uh, here and give you our thoughts. I've got my recap. Cooley's got his uhs and hmms. Um, and we'll go around the NFL, a wild day in the NFL. And I was thinking about you pretty much the entire Dallas game because we sat here on Friday and we talked about and you're like, how didn't you have Dallas in the smell test? I mean, it's just so obvious to me. Like, it's got to be Dallas. And I'm like, I know. I, I'm like, but I said, what did I tell you? I said, I think that line's going to go higher. And I think there's going to be sharp money that comes in on Pittsburgh late. And I just want to stay off the game. And it did at one point get to 14 and a half, 15. Cooley, um, I was looking at about uh, one o'clock, like right after the one o'clock games, it was 14 and a half on my site. I saw 15. And then it came back, um, to, in fact, right right here, Bet America had it all the way up to 15 and a half at one point. Um, a couple, William Hill had it to 15 at one point. And then it came back to 14 right before kickoff. And I almost, I almost played it. And I'm going to tell you another thing too. Dallas was plus seven and a half on the second half line. They were up by four at halftime. I almost played them on the second half line too because in watching the game, I'm like, this game's coming down to the wire. Now, as it turns out, I would have lost the plus second and a half, uh, plus seven and a half second half bet. But that was incredible. Like on Friday, and I love how you picked up on this. You're right. It should have been in the smell test, period. And I should have just put on a, a, as a caveat if the line gets to 15 and a half, 16, just stay off it. But if it stays at 14, 14 and a half, you should be on Dallas. Smell test, rough weekend. Rough weekend. <laughs> There, there, it was an interesting weekend in football. Yeah, I think I think we have a lot to question here after this last weekend of football. Uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus and whatever about Pro Football Focus, but I've had him on the show. He's this Irish guy. He's one of the early employees of 
um, of Pro Football Focus, and I like him a lot. <clears throat> he put out this tweet late yesterday. He said, so to summarize, the Bucks got wrecked by the Saints, but Tampa Bay stuffed Green Bay. Green Bay beat New Orleans handily. Casey embarrassed Baltimore. Uh, Casey lost to the Raiders. Pittsburgh barely got by Dallas. Seattle imploded versus Buffalo. Buffalo lost to Tennessee, and Tennessee lost to the Bengals. Who the hell is the best team in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, yesterday's one of those days where you're like, okay, well, we thought it was Tampa, we thought it was Seattle, but maybe not. Pittsburgh's undefeated, but they nearly lost to the Cowboys. And then you got to up his knee now. Yeah, now you got a couple of teams who are on a roll, like Atlanta, Minnesota, you know, and yeah, it's it's. But but you know what? I think the NFL's like that a lot of years. The NFL's always unpredictable. It's week to week. It's a week to week league. League. I've been saying that for many years, as many of you have. Um, it's hard to figure out. Hard to figure out, and that's what makes it so hard to bet. I think this this is the year, or one of those years, where there's a lot of teams that are hard to figure out. Yeah, I think there are certain years where. You get a couple surprise wins, but this has been one of those years where it's just, who the hell is anybody? I think I know who the Chiefs are. I think I know who Pittsburgh is. I still think Pittsburgh's good. I'm re- reevaluating the Saints. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> On Friday, I did. I did tell you again, though. Well, the Saints were my. I know my preseason Super Bowl team, and both of us thought the Bucks would win that ball game. I mean, it's just funny because in watching the Saints paying attention to them, you know, they barely beat the Chargers, they barely beat the Panthers, they barely beat the Bears. They um, were down at one point, I think, fourteen to nothing to the Lions, you know. And it's like I, I was not a believer in the Saints. Last night was that- they got Michael Thomas back. They they have a couple tight ends now. They have some weapons, Camara. But they riddled a really good defense. Oh, I know. I mean, they were like 10 of 14 on third down. A Tom Brady quarterback team was down 31 nothing at halftime. They were down 21 nothing before they had a first down. <laughs> it was I turned it off late second quarter and went to bed, actually. Um, I don't – yeah, the NFL's impossible to figure out. We'll, we'll go – we'll talk about these games in more detail a little bit later on in the podcast. Before we get to – our recap of the game. I did want to start with this. Did you see Jack Del Rio's tweet? I didn't. What did Jack Del Rio have to say? So Jack Del Rio, um, for the purposes of background, most of you know this, has been very active on Twitter um, since he got here. Uh, politically very active. He's very, he's a Trump supporter, very active uh, politically. Last week there was the tweet that he put out um, after Brian Baldinger had suggested that uh, the Giants' defense was the best in the NFC East and it wasn't even close, and Del Rio retweeted Baldinger's tweet and said, I love you, Baldy, but dot, 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 with an emoji with like a magnifying glass over one of the eyes, like, you know, come on, our defense is better. Um, Yesterday, after... um, the loss to the Giants, the second loss to the Giants in their last three games, uh, to fall to two and six. That's their record. Somebody tweeted to, (laughs) 
Yeah. I know you're looking at it right now. Let me let me let me get through it for everybody. No, no, I'm laughing because you, that's their record. Yeah, that's the record. Two and six. Um, yeah, we we got that. Somebody we named that. Riverboat good. Hostage on Twitter, who's got sixty. Well, now he's got seventy followers. Um, Ooh, tweeted to Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, and Jack Del Rio. He said, at Riverboat Ron HC and at, at Coach Del Rio, instead of stumping for universal health care and bragging about registering everyone to vote, instead of clapping back at Brian Baldinger about your defense, let's focus on winning, which is your only purpose. Shut the hell up and coach better. Okay, this dude, you know, trolling the two coaches on Twitter after the game. By the way, there's a lot about what he said that I agree with. Um and Del Rio read this uh, and got very upset and responded to it. He retweeted the tweet, and he said the following on Twitter. Take your whiny butt somewhere else. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> Take your whiny butt somewhere else. You're not the boss of me. That from oh our defensive gosh. coordinator. Responding, retweeting somebody with 70 followers who criticized him after a loss. Cooley, I don't think it was an attempt by Del Rio to be funny, because although it is kind of a funny, okay, boomer kind of a response, and maybe that was the intention, I don't think it was. I think he got frustrated, and he was home, and he's like, who's this guy to tell me to shut the hell up and coach better? Um, hey, Jack, I think you're a really good coach, and I think you're the best defensive coordinator, and you and Ron together are the best defensive coaches we've had here in a while. But you do need to get off Twitter now. You are part of an organization that has overpromised and underdelivered for 21 years. I know you just got here. But more people in your role and in players' roles and in front office have told us about how good they are, and never showed us. How many times have all of us, at some point in our lives, been told, you know what, actions are louder than words? You didn't need to respond to Baldinger, okay, especially considering that you had this opponent, the Giants, upcoming. Secondly, responding to somebody with 70 followers on Twitter after you lost and your team sucks at two and six, is a sign of sensitivity that actually is disconcerting for somebody like me. I like Del Rio as a coach. This stuff is like, you've got to be kidding me. We got another guy in the organization. We got another guy in the freaking organization that cares more about social media. You know who's been less active on social media recently? Dwayne Haskins, the defensive coordinator is more sensitive right now on Twitter than Dwayne Haskins. I, I, I'm throwing my arms up in the air, Cooley. I, I this is just you got to be kidding me. First of all, take your whiny butt somewhere else. You're not the boss of me. What are you six? I, I mean, what do you, what are they doing? Why can't we ever get this right? I know the reason. The reason's the owner. I understand that. But why is it? Uh, why does it always end up happening here? Uh, I don't know. Is he really being serious? Oh yeah, I gotta say yes. I think it's yes. And and you know what? If the attempt, you're not the boss of me. 
If, don't write my programming. If the attempt was to be funny, you know, you got to pick another Put a moment. Smiley face emoji. Yeah, or a, a wink, wink, a wink, a, a wink, wink emoji. Yes, <laughs> that's even worse. Of <laughs> <laughs> our defensive coordinators putting wink emojis in there. I mean, come on, man. Maybe, maybe he would say, uh, "You guys fell for it." I was just trying to be funny. I was just like, you know, he should a... do that. He should do that. Oh, he, uh, but you he don't. Should come out and tweet right now. Anybody thought this was serious, you're wrong. This was a joke. This was just to be funny. It's not obvious that it was a joke. No, he should say it was a joke. And I would lean in the direction, strongly lean in the direction of it not being a joke, but being very, very super sensitive after a loss. And I don't know, Cooley, like, you know, when when you're losing, and by the way, after your defense get, got gashed on the ground yesterday, and your defense was a part of why you lost, in my opinion. Not that it's some biggest part, but a part of it. Just how about you shut up until you win? Seriously. And, you know, the, the riverboat hostage, you know, it's true. They have been involved in just, there's been, once again, so much focus from this organization and their social media department out in Ashburn on everything but winning games. It just... It's like Doc used to say, one of my favorite Doc Walker lines, nobody in this organization is better between Monday and Saturday than this one. Sundays are the problem. And it's been that way for 21 years. The other thing, nobody's better in March and April than this organization at building up you know, a free agency class or a draft class and talking big and delivering less. There ha- there just hasn't. This this organization, Jack, you, you may not know this. We have not won a playoff game in 15 years. 15 years. We've only been in three playoff games over the last 15 years. Four, actually. Right? Green Bay, Seattle, Seattle. And then the year that you, the, the year that you won the playoff game, beating Tampa, beating Tampa Bay with a quarterback that, that with it with an offense that had like eighty yards, was the last playoff win. And by the way, the classiest of class was the coach here when we won that playoff game. The guy that would read your retweet, a Hall of Famer, and probably say to you, "Hey, Jack, we don't do that after we lose. We don't even do that after we win." But we definitely don't do that after we lose. Oh, Joe would have been livid. Livid. (laughs) He would have been absolutely beside himself. Can you imagine if Bugues went on like the offensive line got trashed after they got their ass kicked by a a division rival and Bugues, you know, came out and, 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 you know, if there was social media and and said you, you take your whiny butt somewhere else, you're not the boss of me. What Bugs would have said is, "You're goddamn right. We got our ass kicked, and we're going to try to do better next week. We got to we we got to focus on winning. We got to win a goddamn game. I, I, I'm whatever. It's just I think it's always going to be this way. It just if, for whatever reason, when you come into an organization with no culture. Um, somehow, even if you're really good, and I think Del Rio is a good coach, you agree with me, don't you, that he's a good defensive coordinator? They're a top five defense right now. 
Statistically, yeah. Statistically. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty I mean, good. If you're top five statistically, you're at least the top 12 or 13 defense. It's so it's so improved, and they've got good players on defense, and I think they're well coached defensively. <clears throat> but you, you you really seriously, when you're two and six, when you're two and six, and you just got swept by a team that is two and seven, and their only two wins are over your team, they're zero and seven against everybody else. It's really best to just lay low. That would be my advice: lay low. But what do I know? Uh, we'll get to our game take and Cooley's uhs and mmms when we return. Right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, time to get to our game take. Uh, Cooley will start with his uhs and ums. I mean, pretty obvious why they lost this game. You start us off. (laughs) There's so many things. Did you see the stat that they put up on the broadcast? Daniel Jones was 3-0 against Washington. Yeah. 1-16 against the rest of the league. I didn't. I did not see that. I knew he was three and zero against Washington. I did not see that he was one and sixteen against the rest of the league. I also saw the stat that said the Giants have only twice held a lead at halftime of seventeen plus points in the last five years. Both of them against Washington. Because remember, they had the forty to nothing halftime lead two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in second place in the division. Um, hmm. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was a game you had to have. But the mm, we just needed to go win three games out of the next four, according to Ron. So we're still poised to do that. <laughs> uh, Kev, the, the things I liked from this game, that third play from scrimmage that the Giants had, where they brought Ingram in the backfield and then motioned him out, and then they faked the screen or faked the handoff, and then they went in the fly sweep, right? That was what I'm talking about with getting to the edge. Yeah. Creative ways to get to the edge. I loved that play. Granted, it wasn't a good play for Washington, but I loved the creativity <laughs> of the play. Right. That was awesome. Well, that was Shepard. That was Shepard, right? Well, it was Ingram came in the backfield, right? And um, gave it to Shepard. Yeah, but it was Shepard that ended up having the big run. It was like a, it was like a yeah, yeah. fake throw, yeah, yeah. reverse kind of a thing. 
But it was it was a fake the inside dive, yeah, and then pump the swing screen, right, right. Ingram yeah. who went out in motion, and then go back underneath to the fly sweep. Jason Garrett getting creative against Jack Del Rio. <laughs> Worked him on that one. Uh, the fourth and one stop on the first drive was big. Yep, pain settle coming up. That was big. Um, I thought DeShazer gave up some things, but. The aggressiveness, him and Curl. I, th- I think Curl gave up some things, but I just like their aggressiveness. DeShazer did have a punch out, which created no turnovers. Uh, man, that that Terry, the third and three, there was a bootleg early. Terry went up and got a high ball, got two feet down. Terry's awesome, man. Awesome. And then that big play that he makes to make it 23-19, and then they kick the PAT. Right. That was huge, man. That was, that was into triple coverage. I don't know how he turned around and came out with that. That was weird the way you just said that. Because <laughs> well, I always call it a field goal. No, you didn't call it a field goal, but the way you said the big play that Terry caught scored on to make it 23-19, to 19, and then they kicked the PAT. I think most people would say that big touchdown that cut it to 23-20. I know, but you don't. You always correct me on that, so I wrote down very clearly that that made it 23 to 19. I never I would never correct you on that. You I would have said 23 no. Well, you well, that made it 23 19 and then they had to kick. I've never the, corrected the, you on that. You always do. Not true. I would I would have said the the touchdown that McLaurin caught that made it 23 to 20. Well, did it make it 23 to 20? No, it didn't. You're wrong. It didn't. It did not. That's correct. <laughs> Surprised they didn't go for two there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought Cam Sims was big. Yeah. He looked fast. Yeah. A couple of those plays, Sims looked fast. Didn't get much out of Steven Sims Jr. No. Cam Sims was good. Terry was good. You know, it was interesting. Alex was okay there for a while. More than okay. He was making some plays. Until he wasn't. <laughs> there is. Yeah. You can't win a game with five turnovers when you force none. Yeah. It's just almost statistically impossible. Analytics say that that's not going to happen very often. And they still had a chance. They had a chance with four turnovers to zero. Those picks, Alex, they were bad. They, I mean, the, the eh is you get the ball back, it's 23-20, and you're – fleeing right throwing across your body and i didn't hate the throw alex wants that back alex can make that throw you can make that throw what did you I actually thought alex looked spry in the pocket on a couple plays he moved around all right definitely for for a one-legged pirate that's a joke smiley winky emoji <laughs> um but he moved around all right um the last pick was egregious and they sat there and said Logan Ryan baited it. I don't know how he baited it. He was just standing right where <laughs> Alex was throwing. Like, oh, hey, he's right in the way. He don't want to throw it to him. No, I mean, I get that he's pressing, but those turnovers late in the game killed you. The Gibson fumble <laughs> was more like a mm than an eh, because that was hysterical. Yeah, it was a it was a good play by him. That's all time NFL bloopers. Oh yeah, that's that's an NFL films blooper, no doubt. How did Logan Thomas not fall on that ball? So I talked about this on radio for a while because I went back and examined this play. If you watch him, 
he he stumbles like so the criticism was he tried to pick it up and run with it i, no, I don't i think he fell and overran it exactly Exactly. He tripped and he was going to overrun it to be able to fall on it. And his last ditch effort was to pick it up because it would have been the easier way to recover it. That's what I thought, too. I just, it was hysterical. Now, Del Rio, or Del Rio, Rivera was mad because he said, I think Fackrell went out of bounds and touched it. Yeah, it's not true. I think they thought he, I thought there was a chance that that was um, true, too, but that was not the way it happened on replay that's a challengeable call though no it isn't it's a it's a turnover it's already reviewed right yeah so they Good reviewed point. it and so they would have reviewed it and, and watched that yeah they did and it was he was not nobody touched the ball while you know while out of bounds yeah the other two turnovers mckissick falling down on the check down that one i said they were bad by alex that wasn't bad of course that was mckissick Right, and that's sometimes that happens. That's what we say when we like players, because we really like McKissick. Love well, him. every once in a while that happens. If we don't like players, we say that piece of shit fell down. <laughs> Ryan Grant, why can't you stay up? You always stay fall down. Feet. <laughs> There's a body of work here that Ryan Grant has, yeah, which involves falling down a lot. McKissick doesn't have that. Right. So those things happen, and then the Isaiah Wright fumbled punt. My God! Yeah, it, that wasn't that didn't was it windy? No, that was gorgeous. How did Danny not catch that in the chest? I don't know why Danny Johnson wasn't back there. He's been back there and doing a great job fielding punts, even if he's not a big threat to return him. I guess they just thought that Wright was more of a threat to have a big return. If you're gonna put Wright back there, I don't know why Sims Jr. isn't back there. Isn't that, that is have, that Wright's second? That's his second fumble on a punt, right? Didn't he? Yeah. Did yeah, yeah. he? No, Sims had the one in the Arizona game. No, Wright had one too. Okay. And he recovered it. Yeah, that's his second fumble. But if you're worried about Sims Jr. back there, is a rookie in Isaiah Wright that much better? Well, obviously he's not. But you know, at least Sims Jr. if he fields it might make a play. Right. I don't know. Maybe Wright will too. Um, God, I hated the. It was right after the Gibson fumble that they go deep to Austin Mack. You're like, really? Who's Austin Mack? He actually looked good to me. He looked really good. Yeah. But it's like transition defense. That's been one thing that this defense has not been good with is transition defense. They've they've given up too many points off turnovers. True. Like they they get stops and. In big situations, but when they when this offense turns it over, they give up points. Um, I had an interesting thought for you. I, I'm just kind of going through, through the things I had written down. At the end of the half, you you really need points. There's 205 going into the kickoff, and they kick it right inside the goal line to the one. Mm-hmm. Danny Johnson should not have brought that out. Should have had an offensive play before the two-minute warning at the 25. <clears throat> okay. I, it, I didn't give that much thought. I mean, did, where, did he did he field it at yeah, the one? Yeah, he caught it one yard into the end zone. One, oh, one, yard, one yard deep, you're saying. One yard deep. Uh-huh. And then he brought it out to the 23. Right. But you ate up the two-minute warning. Yep. It was also after a diff, an interesting situation where – they didn't challenge a third and five yes. with like 340 left. That's that right. I thought they you absolutely should have challenged. 
Like you, you might lose a challenge. The timeout's not going to hurt you because you're right. They would have won that challenge. Board, that ball hit the ground. Board did no not question. catch that, catch I, that pass. I, I didn't think there was any question that the ball hit the ground. And then they called a timeout for no reason 30 seconds later. Well, so the, first of all, the Giants did an excellent job after that non-catch rule to catch to get up to the line of scrimmage, snap it quickly before Washington had a chance to digest what had just happened. The problem right. was that was the third and five, and it was a f- conversion for a first down. And you got to be better than that in your in your replay booth. I tweeted out that it's too bad Bruce Allen wasn't up there; he would have gotten it right. Um, <laughs> but the um, the timeout after the the uh, whatever played the Giants ran, I actually was like, hey, good. He's he wants to get the ball back. He's going to use his timeouts on defense, and then he didn't use a timeout after the next play. Which you know was the play that led up to the score where they kicked off whatever you said two minutes five seconds whatever it was two minutes seven seconds, right? Um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, way down the list of anything to nitpick over in this one. Yeah, I hear you. But it was something I didn't like, so I am nitpicking it. <laughs> okay. Um, time of possession. Yeah. Twenty-three minutes for the football team. Gibson had six rushes for 20 yards, and Kissick had three for 17. I realized that you had a quarterback change. But seriously, you can't run the ball at all. I, and the idea that McKissick can't get more carries is just beyond me. It's baffling. I think he's a guy that can stretch the field. I think he's a guy that can get to the edge. I mean, he averaged on 5.7 on three carries. He's got to have over a five-yard average this season. Why can't McKissick run the ball? I love. I think McKissick is terrific. I mean, he ended up having nine receptions for 65 yards. I love him. I love him. Um, I don't know, man. Like you, you, you turn it over five times and you have nine total carries in the game. The fact that it was 23-20 is astounding. Well, that's the first thing when I get to my game take, which I'll wait on getting to until you're completely done. But I'll just, you know, reiterate what you just said. I mean, when you – well, I'll give you my first thing for my game take right now since it works perfectly here. Um, the fact that they lost the turnover battle 5-zip, the fact that they had the ball for 13 minutes less for 24 plays less – where they had ter- they lost the field position, penalty battle, every single thing you can lose. And and by the way, the other team took advantage of it and built a 17-point lead. And you had two chances at the end of the game down 3. It's actually a real testament because my contention Cooley is that, you know, a Jay Gruden coach team over the last 6 years, that would have been 40, you know, that would have been 37 to 10. You know, and I I felt this way in watching this team battle over the last few weeks that they haven't given up on the coaching staff, that they believe in the coaching staff, that they have the right kind of players, the right kind of character. And I think yesterday was another example of that. You know, I know two of the turnovers happened late, but they still down minus three, minus penalty battle, minus time of possession, minus field position, down 17 with a quarterback who, by the way, is never proven to have been able to come back. They came back, and they had two chances with the ball down three at the end. That's actually – 
I know they lost the game, but that's actually in some ways a good sign. I thought the defense. Well, we'll get to it later. Finish your finish. I mean, they your had recap. 402 yards on 50 plays to the Giants' 350 yards on 74 plays. I know. I know. It's amazing. 50, 50 plays, 402 yards. It's over eight yards a play. That's really, really. There, there were uh, well, anyway. Go ahead. You finish up, and then I'll get to my game tape, which I you mean, can then you can they, interject as much as you want. I mean. Kev, everyone, I haven't mentioned it yet, but obviously the Allen ankle injury was nasty. It's a um, dislocation. Jeremy Fowler is reporting this morning. He just came out with this um, a little while ago that Washington, um, that he is going to undergo surgery. Surgery is likely going to be the outcome, which would cost him the season. It was not as bad. Like, I thought it was Dak Prescott when I saw it. I thought it was fractured. I thought it was a really serious thing. Dislocation, less serious, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, here's, here's Fowler's tweet. Let me, let me um, be more clear on this from just moments ago. Washington quarterback Kyle Allen is expected to undergo surgery in the coming weeks on his dislocated ankle and small fracture. Okay, so there is a small fracture, according to sources, jeopardizing his season and paving the way for Alex Smith to potentially start the remainder of the way, according to sources. So there you go. We're going to talk about the quarterback thing or what they should be doing, but let, let's get well, through our not recap. Even, I mean, I just I, – one more loss, and I don't think there's even a question. So, <laughs> All right. I just – I thought it was a game that they should have won, like you suggested, 24 to 10, 24 to 3. I just thought they were a better team. I mean, the other they couldn't stop the run. That was another thing. I think one of my keys of the game was get them in third and longer situations, and it's hard to do that when they average 4.7 yards on the ground. Right. It's hard to do that when Alfred Morris has nine carries for 67 and looks like a monster. He did. Us. He did. And Dick Galman's almost five yards a carry. Galman was one of those backs coming out of Clemson. I told you when we were doing the show together, I actually thought he had, had a chance to be a really good running back. I thought he ran really hard. Um, I thought it was a break not to see Devontae Freeman, and it wasn't because uh, Gallman and Morris were, were really good. They were really good. I just I just thought it was a spot that they had to win a game, and ultimately they started slow again. All right. And it, it makes it really tough. So let's get to your game take. All right, we'll do it right after this word from one of our sponsors. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pay attention, here's Kevin's Game Take. Uh, some of this will be repetitive, some of it won't. Let me start with the things that I liked coolly from the game. I already mentioned the fact that, you know, to be um, totally one-sided in the turnover margin and a lot of other very influential stat categories that typically tell you who won the game, um, 
the, the if you if you pulled up the if you didn't know the final score and you pulled up the stats from this game and you saw the Giants you know had the ball for 36 minutes to to Washington's 23 they won the turnover battle by committing zero and getting five they dominated field position um, they ran the ball at 4.7 yards per carry yada 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 you would have expected to see four you know 41 to 17 you know 35 14 and you didn't um, and so that starts my list of things that I liked. Terry McLaurin's the real deal. We know that. I think we all know that. Seven catches, 115 yards, including the 68-yard catch and run for the touchdown. As you said, I don't know if it was triple coverage, but you're probably right. Um, he makes a great catch and then a phenomenal run afterwards. McLaurin has, McLaurin has 50 catches through the first eight games. He's on pace to catch 100 passes this year. That would be just the third receiver in franchise history to do it. Pierre Garçon did it in 2013. He had 113 catches. Art Monk's the only other one to do it. You know, McLaurin at receiver is their best drafted wide receiver since Art Monk, and he's their biggest big play wide receiver threat in their offense since Deshaun Jackson. I mentioned Jackson. I understand he didn't play a lot of games. He missed a lot of games. But when Deshaun Jackson was healthy and in the lineup, that was as scary a player to defenses that we've had in a long time. J.D. McKissick's on my list of things that I liked. I just You and I have talked about it many times. We don't need to spend a lot of time. He's so versatile. He's their second best playmaker. And Gibson I like a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, he had nine catches on 14 targets for 65 yards. You know, one, he did have a drop in the game. He obviously fell down on an interception. Um, a lot of those catches were either first downs or for plays that set up easy second or third downs. I just love McKissick. I'm glad, you know, Cooley, he was in on 83% of the snaps yeah. in the game yesterday. So somebody was listening to, you know, us and others that said, we love Gibson, don't get us wrong, and we want to see a lot of Gibson, but we want to see a lot of McKissick as well. Um, because no, I, I hear you with that, but it's also a massive tendency that you're throwing the ball with McKissick on the field because he doesn't have any carries. Okay, so they got to fix that in their next game. They got to get him yeah. more. They got get him on there more. Yeah, um, get him more touches as a, as a ball carrier. He was on the field for twenty more snaps in the game than Gibson was. Just so everybody understands that Gibson came off one hundred and twenty eight yards rushing against Dallas and was in on twenty fewer snaps than McKissick was in the game. That's actually a startling number, even though I think they like Gibbs uh, McKissick in there when they're going to throw the football more than than Gibson, obviously. On my list of things that I liked was Alex Smith. Cooley, this is a little bit, you know, where was the expectation bar and did he clear it? Well, the expectation bar was low and he not only cleared it, he sailed over it. I was wrong to say what I said last week about them releasing him. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say that I was wrong because I still don't see an end game with Alex Smith. But I was wrong that I that didn't... Couldn't, you Basically that he was done. That he was done and that he couldn't play based on what we saw against the Rams. And, he, and I said, look, he's going to be better the next time we see him because you couldn't be any worse. But all the while, Rivera had said, no, he's looked good in practice and... Rivera, you know, on these quarterback, whether it's him or Turner, on these quarterback switches to Allen and then to stick with Alex Smith and say, no, he's going to be better the next time, 
They've been right about both of them. Um, <clears throat> the three interceptions, one of them wasn't his fault, the McKissick one. The other two were bad. And But yesterday, Alex Smith came off the bench and at one point was 17 of 20 for 272 yards off the bench. He was quick. He was decisive. I think his best play and most telling play, Cooley, was the play on the next-to-last drive of the game, down 23-20. They had a third and two deep in their own territory. He got pressured. He extended the play, went left, flush left, created a little bit of time by going backwards, and then making a throw to McKissick for five or six yards to move the chains. That was the play where I'm like, whoa. He just not only proved that he can throw a quick bubble, he can go quick game, he can go check down, which he's great at, and he can throw the ball down the field and drop back. He just proved that he can create enough time on third down to make a play. Uh, I was, again, he was 17 of 20 for 272 yards and they and got him to within three and had the ball twice with a chance to tie or win the game. I thought his checkdowns, for the most part, were really good. Quick and decisive, I thought he looked off that bubble when he threw to Cam Sims down the field really well. Clear, look, he knows how to play the game, and he's obviously got a very good handle on this offense. Much more so, I'm sure they would tell you, than Dwayne Haskins. We'll get into whether or not he should play um, or not You know, here after we get through this game take, but he's on my good list. I mean, I, I don't know... I understand that the, the, the two interceptions were horrible at the end. And and it's actually very ironic, right, about Alex Smith because <clears throat> what, what the narrative on Alex Smith is if you get behind, you can't come back. And, oh, by the way, the great thing about him is he doesn't turn the ball over. Well, they came back yesterday from 17 down because he was good, really good, and he turned the ball over, which was really bad and cost him a game. I mean, he turned the ball over. The last two turnovers are basically what Kyle Allen did against the Giants the last time. You know, it cost them a chance to win a game that was winnable, amazingly winnable, when you think about the context of how the game started and with Kyle Allen leaving. Cam Sims is on my list of things that I liked from the game yesterday. I'm really glad that this guy, you know, has bounced around. He's been a guy that I had John Allen on the radio show last year before the 2019 season. And I'll never forget this. I said, give me one player that we as fans are going to be totally surprised um, about that the player ends up having a real breakout year. And he didn't hesitate. And he said, Cam Sims. And I said, the receiver, the big receiver? He goes, yeah, he, he's he's the real deal. He's going to have a breakout year. Now, he didn't in 2019. He's a Bama guy. Um, I know what he is. I understand that. But, the, you know, it also is John well, that's, Allen. I mean, John loves him. Yeah. But we've heard this right. from other people over the years, too, about Cam Sims. He's been on practice squad. I on mean, that IR. preseason a couple years ago when he got hurt. What did you say? He was he was awesome. Yeah. The preseason a couple of years ago, when he got we got hurt at the end of the game. So tell me what out. you thought awesome. about him watching him up close at times. I think watching him throughout this season, I think he's got to develop into a better route runner. But I thought I saw some real sharp routes in this last game, at least the television copy, with some speed. He's, and I th- I liked his run after the catch. I thought he was competitive. He was he's six five. You know. 
Um, so I was happy to see that. That's on my good list. Also on my good list, um, the pass rush early and late in the game. Not great in the middle. Um, they had five sacks in the game. Really not great. Really not great. Early and late, I said. Early and late. I, it, through yep. the middle portion of the game, n- non-existent. Early in the game, they were pressuring uh, Daniel Jones over and over again. They forced him into quick pressure and an incompletion on a third down, the third down that led to the 3 nothing lead. They had a first down sack that led to a second along, third and long before the punt that Isaiah, Rice, uh, Isaiah Wright fumbled. Um, and so, you know, there they are. They're putting pressure early in the game, a 3 nothing game despite the offense turning it over and then Isaiah Wright turning it over. And then late in the game on those final few drives – you had two sacks on their final two offensive drives that gave the ball back to the offense two times, down three. And, you know, the, the last one, the Cameron Curl blitz off the edge, unblocked blitz off the edge, that is a play that Daniel Jones, during the course of his short career, fumbles 95% of the time. Seriously. It was like such – they could not get a break the entire game, and that was the last of the non-opportunity breaks. They pressured him. He was rattled a little bit late on those final two drives and curled, you know, blindsided, and somehow he held on to the frickin' ball. Um, Got to get that ball out. The other thing I just wanted to mention on the things I liked list, I really liked Kyle uh, Allen before the injury, Cooley. I thought he yep. was really sharp, and one of the things, and this is an observation, it's not necessarily on my list of things that I liked or didn't like. I, I, I even though they were down three nothing, and even though they had gone fumble, dropped pass. I mean, Allen makes a perfect throw to Logan Thomas on on a play where he sort of flushes right, extends, and makes a perfect throw, and Thomas drops it on third and eight, and then you get the Isaiah right, and then they're on the move on the drive that he got hurt on. I mean, you know, basically in on 10 plays, he was 5 of 7 for 62 yards. Like, he was doing a good job. And I know some of those yards came on the fumble, in, in, you know, that eventually got recovered on the Gibson play. But I, I, I swear to God, early in that game, even though they had, you know, bungled a couple of things early, I'm like, we're going to win this game. This guy, by the way, looks totally comfortable. And the other observation I made early on is that it's what you and I talked about Friday – and I know Doc wanted them. Oh, let's get you know, let's get nasty and b- play bully ball after they did against the Cowboys. And I'm like, I don't think they're going to do that against the Giants. I don't think Scott Turner thinks he can run it against the Giants. He didn't in the first game. And even though they got behind in this game, which forced them to throw a lot more. You know, they're down 17. You all you always see more throws than runs. Their game plan was to throw it. Their game plan was to use checkdowns to to throw the football because they their first play of the game is a throw. The second drive, Kyle Allen throws two times at three plays, and then on the the, the drive that he got hurt on, um, you know they're throwing the football. So the plan was to throw the football yesterday. You weren't going to see a, you were going to see something unless they got a lead and they started running it in the second half. Scott Turner felt that their best chance, whether it was Allen or Smith, was to throw the football to move it. But I, on my list of things that I liked, I like Kyle Allen. Man, I think that injury. I really think I, I think they would have won the game yesterday with Kyle Allen, and I think we would have been talking about here today 
a team that we thought was capable of winning some some games, continuing to win and be competitive in games. I thought he looked super, super comfortable uh, before he got hurt. I did not think that was a dirty play by Jabril Peppers at all. In fact, I'm not even sure it should have been penalized. D- do you want to weigh in on that real quickly? I don't think he purposely leg whipped him. I just felt I think he felt like I I am not getting him down and so he did leg whip him. I mean that 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 you can see, but you know So you think it deserved like the you, penalty. It was a last ditch effort to get, Yeah, I think it's a penalty, but I don't think he was trying to break it. No, I just I'd never buy that someone's trying to break someone's leg. Right. By the way, Pepper It's like I don't buy that Bostic was trying to kill someone against Dallas right. two weeks ago. Right, against Dalton. Right. No, I, I, but I do think it was a leg whip, and that's a penalty. The like thing he picked his leg up. Yeah, the things I didn't like, obviously, the turnovers. You know, um, I think actually, in many ways, the turnovers early hurt more than the ones late, because without the turnovers early, you don't fall behind um, as much as you did, and mm-hmm. that set the tone for the game. They had too many drop passes in this game. Logan Thomas had two. McKissick had Big one. Big one on a third and ten. The third and eight early on, on the perfect Kyle Allen throw um, was, yeah, oh, yeah. was awful. Um, they had a stretch of the game where it seemed like there was a penalty against them on almost every play. Um, they, uh, they, I, I put rush offense, but you really they didn't try to run the ball, and I don't necessarily have a problem with them not trying I think that was the game plan, and I think it was going to work. And then I think they got behind, and they threw it. Uh, we already mentioned the non-challenge on the board catch was unfortunate. The Giants did an excellent job, but you you, you got to have somebody up there that quickly is able to tell the coach, throw it, throw it, throw it. That was a third-down conversion and a big one. And then the run defense. It's, it's funny, Cooley, because I think that whether it's you or others over the years, as I was watching it, I'm like, something's not right today with the run defense. And like they've got a lot of people at the line of scrimmage, and yet Gallman and Morris are getting through. And by the way, both of them had a lot of yards after contact as well. And I said on the radio show early this morning, I said, I think they I think it's essentially like gap control. Like they're not getting in the right fits. You've talked about fits and run stopping. And then I played the Ron Rivera. Uh, interview from the postgame show with London Fletcher and Scott Jackson, and he said, yeah, we had bad gap control. We're a gap control defense. So you can explain that better than I, but it was not a good day for the run defense. Um, And really, you know, the only guy, I mean, you had Nick Chubb have a big day against them. Other than that, the big runs that they've given up have been to quarterbacks this year. You know, Murray, Jackson, and Jones. And, And that's been... It. They've been a good run defense team. Not great, but good. A um, couple of other quick observations um, from the game. Um, number one, there were – CJ told me this morning, I, I, I asked him, I said, there were 3,000 fans allowed into this game. I go, there was a lot of Blue Giant jerseys. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, every bit of a third of the fans in there were Giant fans. Uh, how does that happen? You get 3,000, you can't give them to 3,000 of your season ticket holders that you know are going to show up in Ryan Kerrigan and Tress Way and Antonio Gibson jerseys? You shouldn't have had, if you have 3,000, there shouldn't be one Giant fan. You could see it. You could see all the blue Giant jerseys. Um, the fourth and one stop early was a really good play by Payne, and I really thought, yeah, 
because I really felt confident about this game going in yesterday. And, you know, and I, and I wanted to see an overwhelming defensive performance like we saw against Dallas, and I didn't expect it to be like we saw against Dallas because Dallas was dead when they came in here that day. But the Giants off a short week, Golden Tate, you know, Joe Judge didn't even let him come to the game because he bitched and screamed about not getting the ball on Monday night. They didn't have Devontae Freeman. Um, you know, they were missing player uh, a player or two on defense. I thought, this is setting up perfectly. They sh- they're, we're coming off the bye week. And I heard a lot of people say, flat, terrible coaching, you're flat coming off the bye week. I didn't, I don't consider that, I didn't consider them to be flat. I considered them to be, unfortunately, they had a lot of mistakes on turnovers. Gibson makes a great run after a catch, and you get an NFL film-style fumble. And then you get Isaiah right on the other end. And I didn't consider them to be flat. I thought they had a chance to win this game, and I, I... I'm not so sure they wouldn't have won it had Kyle Allen stayed healthy. I know that's a crazy thing for some of you to hear, but um, but they uh, they that that fourth and one early, I was like, hmm, I think this is going to turn out well. And then Gibson's running down the sideline. I'm like, it's going to be seven nothing here before we know it. Um, I wanted to just say this about Daniel Jones because we've had this conversation already. If you told me right now I can have Daniel Jones as the quarterback of my future and I have to give up, I I don't know what I would give up, but I would not be displeased having Daniel Jones as the quarterback of my future. I think there's something to this kid. I think he's a gamer. I think he's really, really exceptional at extending plays. I think he's dual threat. I think he can make every throw. Um, and I think if they, if he, I mean, he's 22 starts into his career. I think it's going to be proven over a long period of time that they got, they, they got Daniel Jones, right. I think that they're going to have the guy that's their franchise quarterback. I just still see him as fairly meh. Okay. And so when you say got it right, I think got it right. would have been later in the first round. Okay. Well, who cares if you get it? Like, at some point, I remember having this conversation about Robert Griffin III, you know, and the incredible compensation package that had to be um, delivered to uh, the Rams, to the St. Louis Rams at the time, for to move up to number two. And, you know, I remember thinking, look, we, we have all now decided, and this is 2012, that you cannot win the Super Bowl without one of these franchise quarterbacks. If he's right, no one will ever complain about the compensation. If Daniel Jones ends up being a franchise quarterback, nobody's going to ever complain that they picked him too early. In fact, it'll make Gettleman look like a genius if he turns into a true franchise quarterback. You think he, he I'm not I'm not saying that I I it's just my feeling after watching him here last year and this year that there is more than just something to him that I think he's going to be a, a good quarterback in the NFL, like a legitimate top half of the league starting quarterback, if not better. I guess what I am saying is that at some point um, that, you know, Dwayne Haskins' famous quote on draft night that the league done messed up by basically picking uh, Daniel Jones ahead of him, it's probably going to look pretty silly in hindsight. I mean, I still, you know, I still believe that Dwayne needs another chance. We're going to talk about that here momentarily about what's next here at quarterback. But I don't know. I just, I kind of like Daniel Jones. I think he's a player. We'll see. I'd rather I'd take Daniel Jones over Dwayne. Well, of course, but that was how I felt in the draft as well. I, I would have taken Drew Locke over Dwayne, right? 
And based on where Drew Locke fell, I think Dwayne would have went way further down in the draft. But Daniel Jones was going to be the first quarterback taken. After Kyler. Something happened After with... Kyler Murray. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I keep forgetting about Kyler Murray being the first pick of that draft. <laughs> yeah. That's... He's pretty good. Oh, my God. He's so exciting to watch. All right. Let's talk um, about sort of the – you know, the big topic, which it will be for a while. What do you do? Ron Rivera's already said that Alex Smith is going to start next week and Dwayne's going to be the backup. What should happen? So that's what should happen. If they believe that there was something missing during the week and there was anything they were upset about inside the walls, you can't reward Dwayne in this situation just to gain compensation it's unless you really believed in him as potentially being the guy and you loved him his character his work ethic everything about it which it doesn't seem that they do then alex smith should be the starting quarterback for how long i until the last two or three games i don't if you're really serious about building culture and you believe that Dwayne isn't your guy, you can't put him in until the until you're at a week 15. And even at that, it's almost this, well, we're going to play him so we see if we can trade him mindset going in. That's not good. That's bad for your team, Kev. If they they have to do the right thing for the team. And not for the organization, if that makes sense. Like in this situation where they've gotten to, they have to do the right thing for the players. I know what or you're. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, I mean, or they'll lose it. I, I think you could also make the argument that that's the best thing for the organization. Uh, look, I, I don't know enough. If here's what we do know, we do know that there's been a lot of smoke around Dwayne Haskins' preparation, work ethic, maturity, etc. And I'm not just talking about smoke from anonymous sources. Okay, we're talking about you know really good reporting from people like John Kime, Les Carpenter, you know Diana Rossini, etc. We're talking about you know players and coaches themselves who have talked about this, including Adrian Peterson from last year. We're talking about a head coach that basically told you when he benched him that I got 52 other players to worry about, and you don't know what the reaction is down on the sideline when Dwayne's out there. Um, so I'm not naive enough to think that all of these people are completely off on Dwayne because I don't think they're off. There's something there. I think we can all admit that clearly there is something there that not only would bother this coaching staff, but would bother others because it has. So if they have decided, which I believe they have, and I think him being third string behind Alex for the last couple of weeks, him automatically, I mean, Rivera not even giving it a second thought about Dwayne, tells you all you need to know about what they think about Dwayne Haskins. They do not like him, they do not want him, and they are going to move on from him at the end of this year. So I... My opinion of I want to see more of Dwayne Haskins on a two and six football team that's got eight games left because 
the guy that they're going to play isn't going to be on this team next year, more likely than not. I say more likely than not because I was. It's an it's a different answer than definitely, which is where I was last week, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I would rather see Dwayne Haskins because there's more of a chance that he's somebody you might keep versus the guy that you're about to play. Um, but they're not good. But they don't think the same way. They don't want him. So on some level, I think they should just elevate Steven Montez to back up quarterback off the practice squad and leave Dwayne at number three. But I, I think that that would be such a public slap in the face that any chance that they have of getting uh, something for Dwayne in the offseason would then be completely ruined. But him as the backup now puts him in play to be in a game because he's going to be active. The, the bottom line is, if, if we're just talking about, hey, we're 2-6, and six, and look, it's true, they're not out of it. I mean, it, it, Dallas lost the Giants. They're still in second place, as you mentioned. They still are in it, and if they win a game next week at Detroit with Alex playing, then we're going to be like, oh, well, they're 3-6, and six, and, the Eagle, and, and, the, and the Giants beat the Eagles, and now we're only a half game out of first. I mean... So if you're telling me, you know, we're still trying to win the division, based on what I saw yesterday, and this is a major 180 from me, I think maybe they're right that Alex Smith probably, with what's left, gives him the best chance to be competitive. I mean, that's crazy because of where I was last week and the weeks preceding it, but, you know, more information and we got a lot more. We got three and a half quarters yesterday of more information. I don't think they can win. I think with Allen, they could have won six or seven games. I think with Alex, it's more like four or five, maybe a, a four win. They get two more along the way. But they don't want to play Dwayne. That's clear. Okay, so at this point, it doesn't matter what I'd like to see. It matters what th- is in the best interest of the team and in the or- and in the best interest of the organization. And for them, it appears to be very clear that it's playing Alex Smith. Now, I do have one question for you. Yep. I wonder if Philadelphia right now, instead of being three, four, and one, what if the Eagles were five, two, and one, and there was no chance, you know, to compete for the division? What would they do in that circumstance? I think they would do the same thing. I think they would play Alex Smith in that circumstance. I, it goes back to my point is that you, you had to do what's right for this team. And based on the first five weeks, there was not an offense that is growing. It was an offense that was stagnant, that was surviving. And it, it can grow with Alex. We understand he's a checkdown guy, but he can run it. He can run the offense, yeah. He can run a large playbook if that if that's necessary. Right. Here's a, here's the other question though: is you got a lot of cap space next year, and Alex is playing; he's under contract. <laughs> I asked the same question this morning. Yeah, he's under contract. He's probably if he plays well, you can still go out and draft your quarterback, and Alex Smith can be your starter. And oh you don't have to play the rookie you drafted. Oh, my God. Did you do that this morning? I totally posed the same question to CJ. It just occurred to me. I, but, but by the way, my answer was, oh, my God, if that's true. But I just said, 
I, I, I go, look, what if he plays like he did yesterday next week and they lose 23 to 20? And then they play Cincinnati and he puts up another 320 and maybe turns it over once or two. But what if he's just running the offense competently and he looks like a legitimate starting NFL quarterback, even though he's not a good one, but a legitimate? They're going to start to get ideas about him coming back because he's under contract next year. Even though they can, they would have a, a savings, a cap savings of $14 million bucks, which would put them, I think, in the top three of top three or four in total cap space going into the offseason. Can you imagine, Cooley, if we go into an offseason with Alex Smith playing the last nine games for Kyle Allen and he puts up competent numbers and they, you know, let's just say they go two and six second half, but they're competitive in a lot of games. They finish four and 12, you know, and it's totally different. The, the narrative completely, uh, the, the, the thought on, on Alex Smith completely changes from, this it's over. I mean, his career is over. To no, 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 no. They think he's the starter next year, or he's going to battle it out with Kyle Allen. They'll draft somebody young. I, I still, after seeing what I saw from Kyle Allen in two games and in the first court half of the first quarter yesterday, I would rather they come back with Kyle Allen and draft somebody else. But Kyle Allen's young too. But Kyle Allen doesn't isn't going to cost you anything, especially now coming off an injury. The thing with Alex is he would be the guy you would want a young quarterback to learn from. True. Like When you said last week, I think you, you cut him. I said, well, I, you don't cut him. Maybe you IR him and ask him to come and be a part of everything. Right. If that was the direction they were going to go, you, you don't just cut him right now. There's value in Alex Smith in this team to not just lose all that money. I mean, you're already invested. It's, it's worthless to cut him. You're taking the massive hit, and you paid him a massive amount of money. I mean, look, this is one game against the Giants' defense. That's not an outstanding defense. It's not the best defense in the NFC East. <laughs> it might be. Well, it's just not. Philadelphia's is. <laughs> our our defense, the Washington's defense, is pretty good. Yeah. Philly's is probably the best. I mean, it's not a bad defense. I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I'm not trying to. If you, and, and I'm not trying to. I, I, you know, you I'm look not, at the spot I'm not Alex being a whiny in. butt. I'm not being a whiny butt. No. No. And you're not the boss of me. Crazy. But I could see drafting a first round quarterback with Alex Smith on the roster next year as the starter. Like, especially if you look at. Who's the kid? The the kid out of North Dakota. Trey Lance. Trey Lance isn't playing football this year. Right. Is Trey Lance? He's going to be a first round pick. I guess. What do we know? We don't know, no. But that's all the reporting says. He's going to be a first round pick. Is Trey Lance ready to start for an NFL team next year after not playing a snap of football? No. If you're going to get a guy like that, you're asking the question. I mean, who do you want? In your locker room, I think Alex would be a guy that would help Trey Lance. I can tell you who wants the quarterback on the roster the rest of the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The question is, which one does he want more? <laughs> That's a good question. Let's go to 301-230-0980. Who do you think the owner wants to start this week? What a great question that is. But, I mean, in all seriousness, like, let's just stop this for one second. 
the owner picked all these fucking quarterbacks. Yeah. You can't do that. No. The back to the Shanahan stuff. They didn't want Donovan. No. And then it's RG three who Mike endorsed and has said that, but we know who the owner wanted. And then it's Alex Smith. And then it's Dwayne Haskins and, Man, this is why it's it's why they're just perennial losers. I mean, you it's, can't sabotage your team that way. Well, you're right. You can't undermine and sabotage your coaching staff. Yeah, we understand. Uh, we we understand all that. They there's going to be a chance to get a quarterback in the draft. There's going to be a chance to potentially get one in free agency. You know, or, or or by trade. I mean, you know, what are the Jets going to do with Darnold? What are the Falcons going to do with Matt Ryan? Cam Newton's not in play anymore. You know, what what are the Cowboys going to do with Dak? You know, what what if they have the first pick? I mean, or a top pick. I mean, um, uh, whatever. The bottom line is Alex Smith right now probably gives you the best chance, amazingly to me, to be a competitive outfit uh, next week against Detroit and the following week against Cincinnati and then on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. And as you yeah. said, and Ron... The, and the most important thing to me is the competitive out, outfit means an offensive operation that you can go and coach week in and week out. And the rest of the guys around that offense say, we see where we're going. If you can see where you're going and you can see how you're developing, you're better next year. That's what Alex gives you. Now, that said, we might have this conversation next week with Alex with another broken leg. Well, so, hopefully not. No, I. but you understand. Or some form of injury. Or some form because of he is horrible performance. I don't think that and, – and, and saying that, I don't think you're going to see 300-yard performances week in and week out with Alex. They have some and really good. Knew, but they, he knew he had to take risks and make throws down the field in this game. They have really good check down running backs for yards after catch purposes. They sure do. It's, it's not a bad way to move the football. Who's the best two win team? The best two win two win team. The Chargers. Two or less. The Chargers. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to be 2 and 6 with Justin Herbert right now? Yeah, well, Cincinnati's 2-5 and 1. Yeah. True. Houston's 2 and 6. The Patriots are 2 and 2 and 5. Look, did would the would the Patriots beat the Chargers? Probably not. Nope. Nope. The Chargers have lost 6 of their first 8 games by one score or less. Their last 2 games lost on the final possession. It's only the second time in NFL history that a team has started the first eight games losing six by one score or less. I mean, Look, they had a throw into the end zone, and it got overturned at the last second. Yeah. Against there was a Las Vegas. There was a terrible call in that game. We'll go around the NFL in a moment. You know who's a pretty good two-win two team? The Giants. Yeah, I don't think they're the best. I don't. I don't think the Giants would beat the Chargers. Tell you what, the Giants have the Eagles and the Bengals coming up the next two weeks. They're, both of those are probably winnable. I'm not saying they will. They should have beaten the Eagles already. 
what if they win those games? Their four and seven mark at that point could be could be good enough for first place in the NFC East. Well, I'm being serious. I understand. They're not going to win those games. I actually th- think that there's something about them that um, is not two and seven. I mean, it's more like um, a six and ten team. You know, maybe a seven and nine team. It's not a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination. But with Saquon Barkley, they may have they may have been um, a, an eight and eight or better team. I mean, think about what they've lost. You know. Also, Joe Judge, no nonsense, Belichick like here. I mean, you he told Golden Tate to stay home. Don't even, you're not you're not even coming you're not coming to the game. And you know what? That may have been one of those things too, Cooley, like you just said about Dwayne. Might have just been the best thing for the team in the locker room. It had to. If you want to establish who you are as a coach, you, you can't have some player being the boss of you. <laughs> Let's take Who's a break. Three win team. Hold in one second. Yeah. Before we go around the NFL. Yeah. Is there a three win team that gets into the playoffs? Like Minnesota could get into the playoffs. Yeah. Minnesota could still win their division. Green Bay probably will, but. You know, I mean, you know that I have followed them a little bit here over the last couple of years because of Kirk. I also liked Zimmer. When they had Bridgewater, because I was a Bridgewater fan, I was sort of thinking that they were a good team. Look, they, they should not have lost to Seattle, and they really shouldn't have lost to Tennessee. They, they should be a 5-3 and three football team right now. And um, they have the best running back in the NFL right now. Dalvin Cook's ridiculous. And they have, if they're able to run the football, Kirk's very efficient. He was, in, he was, they didn't even need him in the second half. He had 220 yards and three touchdown passes in the first half. And then they basically just ran out the clock in the second half. But they have, I'm telling you right now, a terrible matchup for them on Monday night. And that is a Chicago team that has really figured them out offensively. And a Chicago team, Cooley, that's, I, I, I mentioned this to you the other day. That even though people are down on them because of their quarterbacking situation, I think that they're going to end up having a really good chance to make the postseason because of their defense. You know, yesterday's game, do you know what they held Tennessee to offensively? They held them to, I think it was under 200 yards total. Derrick Henry averaged 3.2 yards per carry in that game. Here it is, 21 carries, 68 yards. The Bears are really good defensively. Tennessee had a defensive touchdown in that game, and I think there were three turnovers for Chicago. Or you know, um, one fumble was returned for a score. It was either two turn, whatever. Um, that so to your Minnesota thing, I think Minnesota is, a, is such a capable team. I mean, their defense is banged up and bad. But I think Chicago is the worst matchup for them, and I, I think you'll see them not be able to run the ball, which will bring them with their offensive line to a grinding halt on Monday night, and that'll lend their hopes. What is that line? I haven't even looked at it. I would I would imagine Chicago's got to be a slight favorite. You think so? I don't know. Pick them. It's next Monday night. Oh, my God. Okay, Chicago open minus two. Now Minnesota's minus two and a half. Wow. Yeah, I think Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to win that game. They're certainly capable offensively. They've been capable offensively all year long. 
I mean, and and with Cook in the lineup, they are really difficult. You know, Cook got hurt in the Seattle game late, so they didn't have him on that fourth and inches. They ran Madison, who's also a good back. Why are we doing the around the NFL now? Um, without well, I was just well, you started going. You asked the you, NFL. you you asked, asked me you, you asked me oh, about two win teams. I know, but that, I was just asking a question about two win teams. <laughs> Who's the best two win team? Who's the best three win team? You know, Jacksonville is a one win team. They've been close in a lot of games. They yeah. were, they had a chance. Uh, by the way, that's one thing I just want you to go look at. They they started a quarterback yesterday, um, Jake Luton or Luton from Oregon State, and. Um, and I mean, I give I give Jay credit. Jay knows how to coach quarterbacks and offense. I mean, they rolled up some big numbers against Houston, and Houston's not a good defensive team. But go look at their two point conversion at the end of the game to tie. It almost looked like they were were, were trying not to make it. I swear to you, <laughs> they were trying to make it. I don't think they were trying to make it. No chance. Did you see the play? I didn't see that play. I've I've watched most of the games too, but this this one obviously wasn't wasn't a big television game. No, it was not. All right, let's take a break <laughs> um, for a word from one of our sponsors, and then we will go around some of the games yesterday. And I definitely will weigh in on Maryland's stunning win Saturday over Penn State. Pay attention. Here's Kevin's game take. Yeah, let's start uh, as we go around the league, and we'll go through some of these games um, relatively quickly. Let's start with last night because I, I had um, I had a rough smell test week, and it shouldn't have been because it was a good underdog day yesterday, and that usually favors me. I just had the wrong underdogs. I didn't have all the wrong underdogs. <laughs> I had the you know I had the Bills, I had the Panthers in the smell test, but. I had the Chargers. I had the um, uh, what was the other underdog that lost? I mean, Denver. let's just sum it up. You had Penn State. I did have Penn State, <laughs> um, but I also had Iowa. Um, but that was that was not as bad as you know Washington. I mean, look, that's going to happen. I'm not sure if it would have won or or not won, but um, it never you know it got, it got derailed early. Um, the Broncos really never had a chance to cover against the Falcons, who are really red hot right now offensively. My God, the Falcons are putting up some numbers, aren't they? Um, well, they have been all year. I know, I know. Um, but anyway, let's start with last night because that that to me that to me was the shocker. I mean, I, I told you last week, the last couple of weeks, and I think you finally came around. I'm like, Tampa's the best team in the NFC. They're the best team in the NFC, and I was not a big fan of the Saints. The NFL's impossible to figure out. They well, I just never, kept saying to you, like, who is there a team that can't beat another team? Well, of of course not. I, I not in the NFC. There is in the AFC. There are two teams that I don't think are going to lose a lot of games in the AFC. But in the NFC, I wouldn't be surprised. I said this. I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota beat anybody. Um, uh, you Brady looked like garbage. Atlanta, Atlanta can beat anybody. Atlanta can beat anybody. Yeah. Um. Uh, how did I mean? There, there was a lot of wind last night. The Saints took the wind to start the game. They had that you know, the effects of that tropical storm down there, and I mean, they went three. The, the Buccaneers three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Interception, stopped on fourth down. Interception. I mean, it was the worst Brady led half I've ever seen, ever. They I had one. The first first down was with eleven minutes in the second quarter, down twenty one zero. 
Oh my God! They were one for they nine have on third Mike down, Evans, over three and four. Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski. If you were to look at this and say that Brady will be twenty-two or thirty-eight for two hundred nine yards and three picks, you'd laugh. There's no way that stat line occurs with all of their receivers in this ballgame. Now, I didn't see this because I was long gone at this point. Um, had no interest after halftime of watching this game. Uh, I had, I bet, not only did I have the Buccaneers in the smell test, I bet them last night and it had no chance. Um, but I guess uh, Antonio Brown, when they were down 38 to nothing, um, got a first down and got up and gave the big first down thing and spun the mm-hmm. ball. Is that true? Yeah, that's that's so smart to do that. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here right here. I just want to see it if, if it's true. It's 31 nothing. There he is. He catches it. Let's see what he does. Is this the one? Oh yeah. For and he drops the ball. Okay, and he's 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 woofing down thirty-one nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, he he won. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> oh, it's a win for him. Oh With my three god! Catches for thirty-one yards, baby. How does a dude Todd... Drew Brees completed to twelve different receivers in this game? Twelve. He completed 26 total passes to 12 different dudes. <laughs> I mean, come on. 12? Wow. That's <clears throat> a lot, man. He only threw for 222 yards. Well, the it, Saints it, were so balanced, though. They ran the ball really well. well. Taysom Hill came in, made some plays. I, I, everyone loves Kamara. Latavius Murray's a good back. Well, they probably ran it mostly in the second half when they were just running the clock out, right? I'm just guessing. No, they were balanced throughout the entire – they had 37 carries. Early on, it just seemed that they were throwing the ball everywhere. Well, yeah, those were the big plays, but they had 37 carries. Their first drive, throw, 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 run, throw, run, throw, throw. Um, Second drive, uh, run, throw, 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 run, throw, fumble. Yeah, they, I mean, they were throwing in the first half. Most much of their runs obviously came when they were running. They were running a lot of the clock out in the second half. They had a thirty-one. A Tom after, Brady yeah, team after, was down after they were up twenty-one-zero in in the first quarter. Then yeah, sure, but still, <laughs> they were balanced throughout. Breeze was outstanding in this game. So, I turned this game off in later in the third quarter because my I needed Tom Brady to have a good fantasy day to win my my game, which it was not. I think he scored like zero fans. I needed Godwin to have a big game last night, and he did not. So I am piece of shit. I've got the worst fantasy team I've ever had. I'm one and eight. I've had a couple of like four point losses. I had a one point loss last week. Um, so now we look at the NFC South. The Saints not only have a half game lead over the Buccaneers, they've swept the Buccaneers. So clearly, the Saints are the favorite. Now at the same time. The Saints still have two games left with the Falcons, who are really dangerous. Like, can the Falcons get back into the NFC South picture? Sure. Why not? It's They're not going to get back in the NFC South picture. Really? I don't know. Could they get back in the wild card picture? Definitely, especially if they end up expanding it because of COVID to eight teams. And then, and then everything's up for grabs. Let me see Atlanta's schedule. They, I mean, the, here's the other crazy thing about the wild card picture: there's no real advantage to being at home. None. 
So any wild card team in the NFC could win any game against a one seed. Let me just explain one thing to you. The Atlanta Falcons, who are three and six and have some of the most horrific losses of the year, along with the Chargers, um, they still have the Saints twice and the Buccaneers twice. Well, the Buccaneers aren't very good. They just lost thirty-eight to yeah, three. Yeah, but those are the two teams in front of them. Oh, I know. So my point is, is that those it's actually almost within their control to get back into the division race. Now, they also play at Kansas City. Um, they play the Raiders and they play the Chargers. God, all they have this, all, all the uh, Falcons have left are division games and AFC games. Weird. I mean, think about the games they lost. The Cowboy game, horrible. Bear game, three scores in the, in the last quarter. Um, the loss to the Lions when Gurley just needs to go down at the one. If they won that game, they'd be on a four-game win streak, and we would definitely be saying, oh, yeah, no, Atlanta's going to end up in the playoffs. I think you would have to think Atlanta would be in the playoffs at four and five. Yeah. The Atlanta should be five and four, worst case. Yep. But um, that's still, I mean, you're still looking at New Orleans and Tampa. Are you going to believe in New Orleans yet? Uh, I mean, after last night, I, I mean, it, again, it's so week to week, and, and Michael Thomas missing obviously was a big deal. I, I actually thought that Breeze was playing well, and Tommy and I got in this argument the other day. I said, no, actually, Breeze hasn't been the issue for me, um, and when he gets Thomas back, they're going to be better. I, there's just something about watching them all year long. I'm like, they're not like overly impressive. Every single game for them until last night, every single game has been close. That they could have easily lost. They could have easily lost to the Chargers, easily lost to the Panthers, easily lost to the Bears last week. They just weren't like dominating people. And I guess that's what, you know, but Breeze, Kamara, Michael Thomas, boom. I mean, you got some, you got some legit weapons on offense and they are fast on defense. They, I mean, they picked off Brady three times. I mean, here's the amazing thing is that it, you look at them statistically, like on defense, total yards, third in the league. Yeah, no, I know. Defensively, they've got some t- some Rushing team yards speed. per game, second in the league. Do you know what time of possession was in that game last night? I can imagine. I didn't look at what time of possession was. 40 minutes, 4 seconds for New Orleans, 19 minutes, 56 seconds for Tampa. <laughs> they ran 73 plays to 46, so they ran 27 more plays. And you know in the second half, they were just trying to, you know, run the clock out. I mean, what's the point? Wow, that's amazing. Um, We talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about the Dallas game. Uh, There there was a really interesting situation at the end of that game. Just two things. Number one, uh, I thought the illegal contact on the fumble um, by Roethlisberger when he got hit. First of all, Dallas, give them credit. Let me let me start with this. Last week I said to you, they played with so much more energy and fight than they did against us. And they were in that game against Philadelphia, legitimately in that game against Philadelphia mm-hmm. last week. Um so that was, you know, that was a huge thing um, for Dallas. They came out and they were creative. They, you know, and, and Gilbert was so much better than JMU, much better. Than no, JMU. he's he's definitely a D one quarterback. Well, Gilbert. Um, I thought that the illegal contact on Jalen Smith was a terrible call on the play where Roethlisberger got sacked and fumbled. It was. Horseshit. And that was a t- real backbreaking call because Dallas is obviously, you know, a, they, they, they've got a lead. They've got a 19 15 lead. 
so at the end of the game, when Pittsburgh, after they had taken the lead and they got the ball back, and they're uh, fourth and one at the Dallas 15 with 40, the clock was ticking down under 50 seconds. They snapped the ball with one second left on the play clock, which was smart. You got, Don't you have to kick the field goal there to go up by eight? Uh, you can't. I, hate, I hate this analytic crap. No, it wasn't an analytics move. It was not the I mean, there's no analytics here. The, you, well, then, you well can, then what is it? Well, what do you think you're just going to go ahead and win right now? Well, Tony Romo, who you know we both love. I mean, I do doing these games. He said, look, "I think he's good. I think he's very good at doing he, the game." He just said, "Look, they've missed two extra points. They've had one of them blocked. They nearly had another kick blocked. They can't. They can't protect on these kicks." So you're, this is why they're going for it. And I, and I think he's right, although Tomlin's always been questioned with sort of clock and score and the whole thing at the end of games. But, you know, once you miss that, it then became a possibility that you could lose the game. And so I never want to be in a position. That's a 32-yard field goal. I mean, that is, that's a thir- it's, it's, it's shorter than an extra point for an eight-point lead. I and mean, you you got to kick it. I mean, I get that dude Crawford was getting in the backfield on every one of these kicks. Yeah, but. he was. Yeah. But um, Garrett, Garrett gets him down there, and they've got to play from the 25-yard line into the end zone to win it. I, I, I Gilbert, do, you mean? What did I say? Garrett? Garrett Gilbert, yeah. Oh, his, yeah, you're right. His first yeah. name is Garrett. That's um, a funny name. The other thing, too, that's really interesting – God, it doesn't Pollard. Pollard gets a lot of carries. When you've got apparently, you know, a perceived top three back in the league, he's not a a workhorse. They give the ball to Pollard a lot, and Pollard's good. Pollard averaged 6.3 a carry. Is that what it was? Elliott was 2.8, and Pollard had nine carries. Pollard's had some big, big games in terms of— Pollard's a good back. Really no good doubt. back. He's another guy from Memphis, I think. I just think this fumbling thing is really stuck with Ezekiel Elliott. He Here doesn't it. run as hard as he can run. And I think a lot of it is the fumble issue. Well, I don't at, think it's a want to think. I think he's worried about fumbling the ball. Two, God, you're, you nailed it. 2.8 yards per carry for Elliott on 18 carries. Pollard, 9 carries, 6.3 yards per carry. Wow. Um. Anyway, you know, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. I I give them credit because after they came in here and looked dead, they've put together back-to-back credible efforts. And yesterday would have been the biggest upset of the year, Um, you know, uh, without question. They, they, They go into their bye week and then they play at Minnesota and then play us on Thanksgiving. They still have to play the Ravens, the Bengals, the 49ers. I mean, it's not like they're going to yeah, get back they, in. There. I mean, the 49ers are not. I know. What, what the normal 49ers or what we think they are? They can beat the Bengals. I mean, it's just it's the wildest thing. It's the literally the race to six or seven wins. I I just don't think Dallas can get there. I think the Steelers thing too. Um, you can look at and say they were ripe for the taking. And unfortunately they weren't playing somebody better than Dallas. But when you come off that kind of an emotional game that they had last week against mm-hmm. the Ravens in a physical game, um, you at least fit the smell test. <laughs> Should have had the Cowboys. Um, the, uh, the, the, so, so the Raiders chargers game real quickly on that one at the end, 
there was bad officiating all day long. We'll get to the interception. Have you seen the Marcus Peters interception yet from the Baltimore yeah. game? Okay. Yeah. Um, but real quickly on the Raiders-Chargers game. First of all, I, you know, I have fallen in love with Justin Herbert, and I was not a fan of him at Oregon. Every big game they had, he just didn't seem to play well. He's also got weapons. I mean, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, they've got weapons. The final drive of that game, when they got down there, there is a throw to Mike Williams at the end of that game that goes out of bounds at the Raiders' four-yard line. It is clearly out of bounds, and they rolled the clock. This is something I think in recent years, it's it's been more than just recent years, it's been a trend over a 10 to 15-year period in which there it's an attempt to speed up the games, Cooley. They want these games in a tidy three hours, three hours, five minutes, whatever it is. And they're told if it's, you know, if momentum is stopped inbounds, even if you carry a guy out of bounds, roll the clock. Well, you know what? In the final two minutes, you you've got to offici- you got to officiate the game differently. You just do. That guy, Mike Williams, is out of bounds on that catch. Period. And you you forced them. Instead of having 20 seconds left in the game and first and goal at the four with four chances to get it in, you had – I mean, watch the play. I'm watching it again. It's a joke They're, they rolled that clock. A joke. And they should have had – and, yeah, I had the Chargers um, in this game. But he makes the catch, and he is hit and, and ends up th- two yards, three yards into the white out of bounds. That is just – Awful, and they rolled the clock, and then the Chargers were very slow um, to get up there and clock the ball. Uh, and now it's first and goal, and there's six seconds left, and they could only run two plays instead of four. And they threw two fades. God, I hate the fade in that situation. No, they got the second one. He just didn't get his feet down. No, he got the he got his feet down. He just didn't. He just complete he did the catch. bobbled the ball a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he he bobbled it a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, he still ended up with it. <laughs> I know. Um, there's also, by the way, a play um, that started uh, that uh, early in the drive. It's it's the play right after the two minute warning. It's a third and six, and Herbert um, really he battles and he gets a first down, Cooley, and it's clear that he gets a first down. And the clock's rolling and rolling, and now the referees mark it short of the first down. And Anthony Lynn, their head coach, is like, wait a minute, is a first down? Is it not a first down? Are you going to measure? Are you going to stop the clock? And the referees just screwed them. First of all, they marked it short of the first down, which was not a good, uh, more likely than not, spot. Secondly, they absolutely should have stopped the clock and measured. And then he ends up having to take a timeout with a minute 22 to go, I think it was, Instead of having a minute 49 left when they stopped the clock to measure. So that really hurt them too. There was some terrible officiating um, yesterday. And I thought the Chargers in particular really got screwed at the end of that game. Well, the Chargers find a way to get screwed every week. (laughs) They they do. Um, They are the best team that can't win a football game. So have you ever seen a call worse than the Marcus Peters interception that wasn't i mean i could probably run through a gamut of plays like the saints pass interference called to two years ago in the playoffs against the rams but who who looks at this on replay and says that's an interception i i don't i don't understand why they can't just look at it i then they do well well baltimore challenged it 
I don't know what would have made them challenge it. It's not a catch. uh, Bottom line, for those that don't know, Indy's got a 10-7 lead, okay? It is into the third quarter, and this is exactly the kind of game we thought it would be on Friday. Indy's defense is very good, okay, very good. And Marcus Peters gets his hands on the ball and briefly has it, but loses it on his way to the ground, and it pops out, and it's an incomplete pass. Baltimore challenged the play, and somebody looked at it on replay and said, oh, yeah, he caught that. It was crazy. I don't know that I've ever seen something so wrong on replay gotten so wrong. Of course, yeah, the New Orleans thing, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't reviewable um, that particular year. And it would have been reviewable last year, but it wasn't. it's not reviewable anymore. Anyway, um, Baltimore, you know, takes over on that interception. They go in, they take the lead, and they never looked back, and they won 24-10. to 10. Man, their defense is good, Cooley. Two really good defenses in that game yesterday. The Colts defense and the Did you see Rivers try to make a defense. tackle in that game? I'm sorry? Did you see Rivers try to make a tackle in that game? <laughs> yeah, on the fumble return for a touchdown. There's a fumble return for a touchdown. Rivers yeah. tries to change direction, kind of backpedaling. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not really his job. Yeah, well, he's super athletic now. Um, Jackson is, uh, became the first, uh, he, he, first of all, it's the first time that Baltimore's won during the Jackson era when they trailed at halftime. Uh, secondly, which is an amazing stat. Secondly, Jackson is now, um, along with Dan Marino, um, at 25 and five in his first 30 games, the best start to a career win loss record since Marino in the last 50 years, which is really uh, quite remarkable. You know, you said Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Um, I, I can't, like you said, Baltimore, if they're a front runner and they're ahead, they're going to be tough to beat. And Baltimore's going to, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be one of the final four teams, more likely than not, in the AFC. I would be really surprised to see Baltimore not in, not in a, semifinal situation. Yeah, they're going to play the Chiefs or the Steelers in a in a in a divisional round final four of the AFC uh game. Um likely. Yeah. How about the Dolphins? I mean, I can't I just don't know what to make of Miami. I Dude, there's something to them. I mean, Tua was good in this game. For a guy that we didn't think was very good the week before, and yeah. they won a game against the Rams, two was awesome. It's like his brother. I, his brother, I, the first game, not very good. We'll get to that in a few minutes. His but. brother might have hyped him up. I mean, but, God, Miami's – they scored again on defense. Yeah, Murray fumbled. That's another thing. I mean, they just keep scoring on defense. It's, they're a well-coached team, Miami. you got to give credit there. Another Belichick disciple. Yeah. But Miami's a well-coached team. They're a physical team. They're tough, gritty. I mean, I don't know if Miami's a contender or not. I can't decide if they're a contender or they're not. But the way they – some of the teams they've beaten, how they've handled them, you can't say that Miami couldn't win any game. I mean, they smoked San Francisco. They handled the Rams on defense for sure. I think Arizona's a really good football team. Yeah, I know. They were in it against Seattle. Uh, like a month ago. I think you're right about Flores. I think he's really good. 
I think there's there's and you know the Dolphins, you know, they um they decided that they were going to, you know, find out that they're going to find out, but even before that the last couple of years that they were going to have, you know, 2021-2022 in mind. There's certainly I think over expectations this year. Um, but they've built it by accumulating a lot of draft choices. I still can't believe they got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick. He's such a good player, but he didn't want to be there. Um, and they're going with Tua, and they had a bunch of assistant coaches that were not on the sideline because of COVID uh, reasons. Uh, Kyler Murray, such an incredible show um, to watch. I mean, he is just the speed. He's, He's so much fun to watch. They've got they got weapons. I mean, how did they? How did they lose that game? They had a kicker that missed a 49-yard field goal short indoors. Zane Gonzalez, he's a good kicker. It was weird. Um, Arizona plays Buffalo this coming week. Then they play Seattle again. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because Arizona, that loss is is one they're going to look back on and say, damn. Because if they were to lose, let's just say, to the Bills and the Seahawks back-to-back and now they're 500, they may be at, you know, they're not going to be out of it in the NFC wild card race, but they're good enough, you know, to be in the postseason. Yeah, well, they're also good enough to win the games that you're talking about. True. I agree. I uh, think Arizona's good enough to beat Seattle. I, I mean, Seattle cannot stop anybody right now. No. That's Seattle the problem. gave up 44 to the Bills, who a lot of people thought were stagnant on offense over the last couple of weeks. Allen looked like an all star in that game. They, I mean, they couldn't even score against the Jets, the Bills. And you're right, in recent games. And they rolled it up. Seattle's defense is a problem. It's a real problem. As great as Russell Wilson is, and, and they're getting, they'll probably be in the playoffs, and you don't want to face Russell Wilson in a playoff game, but Buffalo destroyed them. That score was not indicative. I mean, at one point, I think they were up 41-20. to 20. They were 21 in the, in the fourth quarter, and that game ended up being a 10-point game. Josh Allen, 415 yards, three touchdowns, ran for another. They've got weapons, too, on offense. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been awesome for them. Awesome. No, he he's awesome. Um, it's really funny looking at that division because all the years that the Patriots were so good, no one else was good at all. <laughs> I know. And now the Dolphins and Bills are legitimate good football teams. Yeah. I, I think when you look at both of them, they're legitimate, good teams, well coached. That it, it, the Bills, especially, that have talent, no doubt. I mean, that's that division. How fast that flipped! It, it, I still, I mean, it's. I still don't think the Patriots are as bad, but just they they don't have a quarterback. They just don't. Yeah, they're done. You he know, liked I, Stidham. I, I never liked Stidham. Um. But I'm sure they'd like to go to anywhere else right now but Cam. I, I, I did like Stidham, but whatever. I'm probably wrong about that. Um, all right, so uh, what other NFL games did we need? To, oh, I just wanted to mention, because I've talked up the Panthers all year as being a team that I really like, and I like how well coached they are. They had a, they had a chance to beat a team yesterday that you know is pretty hard to beat you know in in Arrowhead even with a few fans and they got McCaffrey back which which obviously is a massive deal and they used for him. them oh my god did they use him eighteen he had ten receptions and eighteen carries yeah. he had twenty eight touches for a hundred and fifty one yards total and two right. touchdowns I mean he's such a difference maker but um yeah I I uh there that I like that coaching staff. I like that coaching staff. Uh, 
I, I think Carolina's. I think with Rule, they'll they'll be a good football team. God, it's fun to watch Mahomes and Kansas City, though. Jeez. I saw the one. Look, I, I mean, I love Andy Reid. I keep talking about all his little gimmick plays and all the things he does creatively. And he, Andy's one of those guys that watches so much high school, college football. Did you see the play where Mahomes went in motion? Yeah, I did. What was I have that? never seen this. It was awesome. The, the quarterback so went Mahomes in motion, starts, but came back and took the snap. He starts to go in motion out to the right, and then he comes back and takes the snap like he's going to boot left. And it's it's a bootleg. Or it was like he was going to run left. It's a bootleg without faking the handoff with the like fake quarterback sweep boot. It was awesome. I mean, and he some of the throws he made, wow. But yeah, to your point, you know, the Panthers, they had a fake punt that was huge in the game. They took shots when they had to take shots. Bridgewater was really good, and they. What that dude? He missed like a sixty-seven yard field goal to end the game. Yeah, and he, he tried a distance. He, he tried a sixty-five yarder um, against the Saints a couple of weeks ago, where it fell just short in in indoors. Yesterday's at Arrowhead, it was wide right, but I think it had the distance. Uh, it looked like it had the distance. Yeah, Joey Sly, um, the Panthers uh, kicker. Um, they tried to run uh, a play to get him a little bit closer right before, and it almost worked. But um, yeah. So the Panthers are three and six, but you know they're a team that you don't. It's not like you're going to play them and think that it's an absolute win because it isn't. Uh, all right. Last thing before uh, we finish up. First of all, want to tell you about mybookie.ag. Uh, you got a Monday night game tonight. Um, that line is uh, line's pretty uh, high for for a New England game, but they're playing the Jets, so that line's nine and a half. But anyway, my bookie right now. Um, you know, offer so much, including like a full-fledged casino, which gives you, I haven't mentioned this a lot, gives you classic table games, slots, um, you know, anything that you would find in any other online casino. They've got all of that. They've got a horse book. Um, you can, you know, you can bet on UFC, you can bet on NBA draft projections, etc. They've got everything that you'd want. Um, Tibetan. We're approaching that time of the year in the NFL season and the college football season where it's getting busy and you know, there are opportunities. Uh, be careful. Um, I got smoked this weekend, coolly smoked. Um, but uh, that means that next weekend might be better. Uh, make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use my promo code KevinDC to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. My promo code KevinDC at mybookie.ag. It's winning season at mybookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you are at it. Uh, I wanted to finish up the show with this. Maryland went to Penn State as a 20... So on Friday, I gave Penn State out as a 25-point favorite um, in the smell test. That was wrong. Um, that wasn't even close. <laughs> I've never been happier to lose a smell test or a bet um, in my life because I mentioned to you early last week, I said, I think I've seen the real deal at quarterback after one watching him against Minnesota last week. I think two, his brother's really special, and he plays just like Russell Wilson. I think I told you that I had him on the show and I asked him and he said, yeah, he patterns his game after Russell Wilson. You can see it. I'm telling you, you can see it in his slide. You can see it in the way he avoids pass rush. 
they Penn State had lost two games, okay? I understand. One of them was to Ohio State. The other one was to Indiana game they shouldn't have lost. Penn State's Penn State. They are, you know, they, they, they're not a, they have a lot more talent than Maryland has. But it didn't appear to be that way on Saturday. Maryland destroyed Penn State in Happy Valley. It's never happened before. They went in there and they kicked the living snot out of Penn State. This game was over early in the second quarter. The Terps were up 28-7. to seven. And Talia uh, Tungavailoa, all right, Leah is what the, his teammates and his coaching staff calls him, was brilliant. He was so good. He had three touchdowns in the first half, threw for like 240 in the first half. The second half got a little bit ugly for, for Maryland, but they had a massive lead. They, they were never in doubt. The final score was nowhere near indicative of how one-sided it was. Terps also have Cooley. They've got talent, man, like they always do at skill position players. And Locks is keeping all of these, you know, keeping more players at home. They've got a top 20 uh, recruiting class coming in next year. They're already for 2022 in the hunt for one of the best recruiting classes. Rakeem Jarrett, he committed to LSU out of St. John's as a five-star wide receiver. And Loxley got him to change his mind and commit to Maryland. And he's a true freshman. He had five catches for 144 yards and two touchdowns. If you were watching this game and you watched Rakeem Jarrett, you saw a future NFL wide receiver. Maryland's produced you know, a lot of skilled position players in the NFL because the area produces a lot of talent. And they've been able to get some of those players in recent years from good counsel in St. John's and DeMatha, et cetera. Rakeem Jarrett's the real deal. Dante Demas is the real deal. But more importantly, Leah Tungavailoa is so good. He is a difference maker. This was the most impressed I have been of Maryland football and the most optimistic I've been about Maryland football since Ralph Region was here. Ralph, you know, over his 10 years, Maryland was always competitive. They went to seven bowl games, won five of them in his 10 years. He won the ACC uh, title in his his first year, uh, was the ACC coach of the year in his last year. Ralph was a a widely respected guy in NFL circles, was Bobby Ross's offensive coordinator on the Chargers team that went to the Super Bowl and lost to the 49ers. And you know who coached under Ralph? Mike Loxley. And you know who Mike Loxley mentions in terms and he coached for Nick Saban. You know who he mentions more than anybody else? He Loxley. under Ralph Regan. He understands Regan. He understands he understands that Maryland football has a chance to be a lot better than it's been here over the last 10 years. And this program is on the rise with Loxley. How great of a coach is he? I have no idea, but they're getting players. And they got Tunga Vailoa from Alabama to transfer. They got Rakeem Jarrett to, to switch his commit from LSU to Maryland as a five-star, you know, one of the top wide receivers in the country. And they beat Penn State badly. Now they go to Ohio State <laughs> next week. They're a 25-point underdog, not 28. They're only 25 next week, which, you know what? Ohio State was just a 40-point favorite over Rutgers. And now against Maryland, all of a sudden, believe it or not, a 25-point underdog, actually it's 26, I'm looking at it right now, is actually respect from Vegas against Ohio State. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, though. You watch Leah in this game. You watch some of the throws he made. There's a, there's a lot of poise in the pocket. Oh, like He is really comfortable 
in the pocket, moving up in the pocket, making throws. I think the second touchdown he threw, he's moving up in the pocket, not really sliding, but kind of running up in the pocket. And that's an accurate ball. Great feel, Cooley, in the pocket. Incredible. Really comfortable. Like he looks like he's a pro quarterback back there. 5'11, which is exactly Russell Wilson's height. <clears throat> Look, they may get crunched at Ohio State. I they mean, might. and it pro- and they pro- probably will. But those that were predicting after the Northwestern loss, and by the way, Northwestern's undefeated, um, that they weren't going to win a game or even come close. That's obviously wrong. And that and, and look, I I didn't feel good about the Northwestern game. I thought there's a chance they they were going to go winless this year, until the Minnesota game when I watched Tungavailoa play his second game, which was much different than the first game. And I realized, and I think all of you realize now, if you've got a quarterback at any in, at any level in football, if you've got a quarterback, you got a chance. Now, you, you don't have a chance against Ohio State this week, and they're not going to beat Ohio State. But the rest of the games in their schedule, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, all they need now basically is two of them to be a bowl team this year. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, they probably already are already being projected now into, into bowl games. But congratulations to Coach Loxley. It was such an impressive performance for a lot of longtime Maryland fans and Maryland alum like me who you know Penn State I know it doesn't Cooley you would never know this because it's not a real rivalry but long before you know Maryland and Penn State were in the same conference together Maryland played Penn State for many years in a row as a non-conference matchup Penn State when they were an independent Maryland when they were in the ACC and Maryland never ever beat Penn State it was also always disappointing even when Maryland was really good they just couldn't beat Penn State um, they, they, I think Saturday was the third time in their history that they beat in Penn State, and by far and away it was the biggest beatdown. And that is one of those games, Cooley, that is a huge recruiting game. You know, that is one of those games where Loxley says, really? Because Penn State's been coming into the D.C. area, as Ohio State has, everybody. They've been coming into the WCAC and taking players away from this area for years, and Loxley now has them, uh, you know, staying here. And so it's just a lot different with Loxley as a recruiter. And the potential for Maryland football is not to be an elite team in the Big Ten East, okay? That's going to reside with Ohio State, Michigan, you know, in Penn State. They're, they're power programs. But Maryland's upside is, you know, in a normal 12-game non-COVID schedule, winning eight, nine games and being a bowl, uh, bowl team. A lot of those years, you know, that that's what their upside is. They've done that before as a program um, at a basketball first school. I, maybe that's the best you can ask for, but good for. Yeah, but that's how good you start getting players, Kev. Yeah. And right now, college football, it's not about coaching and it's not necessarily about what you do. It's about having dudes. Yeah. And that's how you get dudes. And Loxley clearly is one of those guys that's capable of it. Dude, I didn't know that the. Penn State series history was 42 and 1 going into this game. Yeah. 40. Maryland had beat Penn State twice ever. Yeah, that's it. Did they have two? They won their first Big Ten game at Penn State. Stefan Diggs was was huge in that game. Um, And have they won another one since, or is that the only one before Tuesday, before Saturday? Well, Wikipedia gives the series history as, oh, now 43 and 1. 
Well, no, they they, they yeah, Saturday then was their second win. Was their third. I, that's what I said initially. Was it their third or second? Yeah, Saturday was their third win. Okay, that's what I thought. So they've won, they've won two. They tied them one year, um, and uh, whatever. I mean, forever and ever they hadn't beaten Penn State. And even when they in 1985, Cooley and I was in, I was in school then. They opened up their season against Penn State. Maryland was number seven in the country. Penn State was like eight. Nineteen. Um, what? Nineteen. 19 what? They were ranked 19. Who was ranked 19th? Penn State. And when? 1985. I thought they were ranked higher than that. Maryland was um, on Sport Magazine predicted to be the number one team in America in 1985. But I think the AP, they were either 7th or 8th. So you're telling me that Penn State was only 19th? Maryland turned the ball over like five times and lost by, by three or something like that on a day that was, oh my God, was it hot. Um it was Labor Day weekend, and uh, let's just say we were overserved by 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 the time the game started. And the game was a twelve o'clock noon kick, um, and it was hot as hell. But anyway, uh, they just never could beat them. They just they could not beat them. What was that final score? I want to say twenty to seventeen. Twenty eighteen. Twenty to eighteen. That was close, and it was like Maryland had like four turnovers in the game. Uh, and then turned it a fumbled late when they were in field goal range. What's the date on that game, Cooley? September seventh, nineteen eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Labor Day weekend, so it was a well. Actually, that wouldn't have, September seventh probably wouldn't have been a Labor Day. Probably was the week after Labor Day. Bobby Ross was the coach. He was such a great college coach, great po- pro coach too. Obviously, um, they uh, they were supposed to be so good that year. They lost to Michigan that year badly at the Big House. And that may have been, uh, and then they won a bowl game over somebody, Syracuse, I think. They did win a bowl game that year <laughs> over somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the uh, the, the Detroit game. Like it was, um, I think it was Syracuse. Whatever. Uh, the eight, the year the year before was the year they came back and beat Miami with um, with uh, Frank Reich when they were down thirty one nothing at halftime. All right, um, that's it for the day. Cooley will have offensive film breakdown. I can't wait to hear what you say about Alex Smith's game. Because the the most shocking thing between Friday and today is we're talking about Alex Smith as a guy that just played a game in which it actually looked like he could play a little bit. And he's going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. J.P. Finley, congratulations. I gave him 20 to 1 odds that Alex Smith wouldn't start a game uh, this year, so I owe him some money. All right, have a great day, everybody. Back tomorrow with Cooley's film breakdown of the offense.